0: What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Simon Dotti over Zoom video. Simon was born and raised in the rural part of Calgary in Canada, and talks about how he got into music. He comes from a fairly musical household, but a very sports focused household as well. His mom's a piano player. But his dad was way into basketball, so him and his siblings were really involved in basketball. He was actually good enough to make it into college and play college-level basketball, which is really impressive. One of his sisters, though, is a pretty famous jazz singer in Canada. and He talked about actually having the chance to collaborate with her on one of his projects from last year. But Simon was interested in production and electronic music from a fairly early age. He talked about getting Fruity Loops on his computer in junior high school. And while attending college, he started to DJ different college parties, really, after the Saturday night basketball games between you know the men's and the women's teams. They'd all kind of get together, invite other friends, and they'd have a big party. And most of the time, Simon was the one DJing it. He talked about releasing his first songs, a club in Calgary that he really made his home base for testing new music and DJing all the time. He talks about touring, adapting to different markets. When it comes to a set list, he might play different songs in Chicago versus Atlanta versus New York City. And he also tells us about his new album, which is called Universal Language. And it's an album that flows seamlessly. So you can start on track one. And it flows all the way to the end, which is really cool. So he talks about that as well. You can watch our interview with Simon on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts we're bringing it backwards with simon dotty there you go awesome man thank you uh for doing this yeah no problem at all sweet, sweet i'm sweet. adam and this is about you and uh your journey in music and we'll talk about the album you have coming out <laughs> yeah yeah sounds good taylor man well um i did i was reading you're about you're from uh what western canada
1: yeah so i grew up i grew up in calgary uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, actually, in a town called Okotoks, which is even smaller, like a, south of Calgary, like ten thousand people. That's where I went to high school and stuff. Um, and then, re- more recently, I moved to Toronto, so live here in Toronto now. But yeah, originally from Western Canada.
0: Wow. So you you said small town. What was it like growing up in a small town?
1: Um. Yeah, it was it was super rural actually until I was until I was I think seventeen. We actually lived in the basically in the country between Calgary and Okotoks, so literally like straight out in the middle of nowhere. The like, woods? <laughs> yeah, like four it was like four acres of land that we lived on, and like it was really like out in the country. And then when I was in high school, we moved into the actual town of Okotoks just because we were all playing sports and stuff a lot. So my parents are having to drive us constantly and all that. So they decided to cut that down, move us into the town. But yeah, I spent a lot of time growing up just out in the middle of nowhere, basically.
0: Yeah. You were, I mean, you are a great basketball player from what I was reading about. (laughs) I mean, you play
1: college basketball, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my my dad was like really into basketball and like his his brothers and stuff it was a big basketball family so that definitely got passed on to us like me and my sister also played college basketball as well but yeah basically from pretty young age we were we were playing basketball all the way through junior high high school and up and yes it's been a pretty big part of my life actually I guess
0: yeah I mean wow because that that's a lot of years, especially making it into college basketball, playing yeah, at that, at that yeah. level. I mean, not a lot of people can get that far. Um, so, what with music was that a part of your childhood as well? Like, do you come from a musical household at all? I mean, it sounds like obviously a, a sports household.
1: Yeah, definitely a musical household too. Like, my mom was a piano keyboard player. Um, and then you know, we all pretty much did have three younger siblings. So we all did um you know lessons of piano lessons and guitar lessons and all those kind of things growing up. And and yeah, my sister's actually um a jazz singer, like a pretty established jazz singer. She oh, right. really, almost every year. She's going across Canada in like a tour van, doing like you know, 30 cities type of or 30, 30 dates type of a thing. So wow yeah, we have you know music we both do music but it's like pretty different <laughs> music but sure have um, you ever
0: collaborated i mean just uh, having her as a voice on one of your records would be pretty rad i bet yes
1: yeah, so actually we like i mean we've talked about it a lot we ended up um she she actually sang on i had a track called reality check and it was like a famous is famous like soul to soul back to life back to reality those like those vocals and um we couldn't get like the licensing to actually release it. So kind of one of the workarounds for that is to just get it re-sung. It sort of counts as a cover, a cover version of the song. So we actually got my sister to re-sing it and it turned out, it turned out really well. A lot of people couldn't believe that it like it was my sister. So it definitely sort of sparked the thought that like we need to do more together for sure. So Oh, wow. What, what year was that? Like when did that come um, It came out, it came out last year actually.
0: Okay. That's incredible, yeah. wow, yeah, <laughs> so very recent that you guys were working yeah. together, yeah, Yeah. <laughs> wow, okay, um so I mean playing I mean it sounds like you played piano and then you play, had guitar lessons too, or those things that you just kept up on as far as like maybe like hobby or did basketball kind of take over out yeah, I, I mean that seems like you'd be playing and practicing all the time if you were playing at that level.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like it did basketball kind of did end up overtaking a lot of that stuff. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't love doing the lessons to be honest. I think a lot of kids sure. do it and don't, don't really love it, but end up appreciating the fact that they did it later. Um, yeah. And then when I was in, I guess as well, like junior high, um, into high school, I was, I was playing like trumpet in the school band and stuff. We had to think when you started out like when you're like kind of, I don't know 10 11 12 in the school system that I was in you had to like choose an instrument and play but then after a few years it wasn't mandatory anymore but I kept doing kept doing trumpet all the way up until I think I was like 16 or 17 just because again basketball was pretty dominant in my schedule so it's kind of impossible to do both or it was really challenging so um but yeah and then kind of more recently I've ended up going back to doing some piano lessons and things just to like keep updated on it. And, you know, just so I sort of recall and remember all those things that I had learned before sure. as, as it is, you know, super useful, especially with piano. It's, you know, it's kind of the core of everything music wise. So. It's an important yeah. I bet when you're writing, like, even like the, the EDM music, you,
0: Are you using other keyboards quite a bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm playing, you know, I have a lot of, like, synthesizers and stuff all with full keyboards, and then, yeah, I mean, you're constantly... The piano is really, especially for electronic music, is really the core of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the more knowledge you have and understanding of, you know, piano, it it definitely helps out big time.
0: When did you get into wanting to make music? Or at least, I mean, did you start off DJing and then producing, or...? how did it, you, how did you
1: begin? Yeah. So I started really like, I mean, I was always into like all kinds of music. I was super into music, but electronic music was one as well that I was super into. And, um, kind of when I was in high school and up starting in university, you know, like dead mouse and someone's like, that oh, one, yeah. were super popular and obviously dead mouse being Canadian. So it was kind of a big deal for, for us. And, Yeah, did he blow
0: up there for, I mean, what year was he
1: like massive? Yeah, so I mean, he had, it's funny because I I was using, when I was very first starting um, to just mess around making music, and this is even like, you know, really, really, basic before even remotely thinking about actually trying to make music. I was using this program called Fruity Loops and uh-huh. it actually come up D- Dead Mouse was actually Joel was one of the like programmers, designers for it. So it actually come I up I did not this, know that. Wow. Yeah, it would come up with this prompt at the start and it actually have one of his songs is like like a little mini version of one of his songs is the demo. And this isn't like this is way back. This is like, I mean I was yeah probably like seven, 16, 17. And yeah, so it was yeah you know, i'm going to say like 2007 8 kind of range and he was oh, just wow. getting started and he had some you know he had a track called Fax in Berlin was his first one that sort of started becoming popular but um yeah and it came up with this little prompt that said like contact me you know Joel Zimmerman and stuff like that so it's interesting and we, kind of right from that point I was always like checking his music out and stuff and you know before he got really big like i would say it would be about 2010 11 is when he started really getting big, but already yeah. in kind of the dan- dance world, you know, like 2007, 2008, 2009, he was already starting to get some traction for sure. So, um, yeah, it, you know, it was interesting. It was definitely like an early inspiration for me, no doubt. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't realize that he started that program because I remember I had... I,
0: I'm i not a producer DJ by any means, but yeah. um, my friend had like a crack version of Fruity Loops. And we, I remember putting on my PC, like, or, I don't know. It was probably... Two thousand, yeah, eight or so. Yeah, I don't even yeah. really put that together. But um, I w- I did radio for a long time, like terrestrial radio. And when yeah. I was working in San Francisco, that was when he, that was when I knew who he was at like that level. Like it was like two thousand eleven or twelve. He
1: yeah, he played yeah, like the sure. big
0: Outside Lands festival, and it was like, you know, he had, I think Ghosts and stuff maybe it just came out. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah so that's yeah. for here at least for when I what I was. What I remember first kind of hearing about him. He was already yeah. massive. Like I'm not gonna say that I found yeah. him on the ground level or anything, but Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but that's crazy. Yeah. I didn't realize that he was part of that. So you had that program and is that what really kind of got you interested in Yeah. Making-
1: so when I was yeah, so when I was like in high school, I the guy downloaded and was kinda of always messing around and then got into university and you know, obviously I was really focused on basketball, but I, I also really started to take like an interest in DJing and and it started out, I was just kind of playing our, you know, there'd be a guy, there was a guy's team and a girl's team. And so, you know, our games would usually be Fridays and Saturdays. And then, you know, typically like on the Saturday night we'd have like a little party or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. just, you know, the teens and some people we went to school with. So I started DJing some of those, those little parties and stuff. just kind of for fun and, you know, started getting really into it. And then when it was time for me to graduate, you know, I told my mom like, yeah, well I was thinking about being a teacher because my mom's actually being a teacher so you do your four-year degree and then you have to do a two-year after degree after to be a teacher Uh and instead of doing that two-year-after degree I just kind of said yeah I'm gonna start DJing and (laughs) (laughs) And yeah was she kind of
0: like uh skeptical about that decision
1: well yeah I still remember it's funny like I remember her response she kind of said well like you and how many other people want to be DJs So, you know I guess pretty appropriate response but Um, yeah I mean lucky enough they've been you know super supportive about it so I think once you know once my mom sort of started to see that I was more I was serious about it she said okay well then do you know get some type of like education so in Calgary I actually did just at like a it was like a college like a a sort of a a tech like a a tech school and they had this this two-year diploma for like audio engineering and digital audio production so I did that and then, you know, kind of been rolling along, rolling along ever since. And here we are. (laughs)
0: Awesome. So when do you, I mean, were you DJing just uh, parties and and such for a while before you started to produce your own music or when did you uh, kind of go away from that and writing your own songs?
1: Yeah. So I I, I started basically as soon as I had you know, graduated that, done that four years, then I, you know, I started just trying to DJ anywhere I could basically in, in Calgary. And so, you know, it doesn't have, it's not a huge city. It didn't have a big music scene. So there wasn't a lot of places, even though really what I wanted to play was electronic music. There wasn't, there's maybe like one or two places you could even play that in Calgary at that time. So, you know, I was doing everything I was doing, you know, playing top 40, playing, you know, hip hop playing whatever just to like get kind of chances to DJ and um, and then same about that same point I started like really deciding I wanted to work on kind of making my own music and that kind of stuff and then you know lucky enough there was a place at the time uh, it's closed now closed during the pandemic but a club called Habitat in Calgary and it was the one place for like electronic music so they're bringing tons of artists that I was super into and so it gave me that first chance to really play that kind of music and start playing music that I had made and all that kind of stuff. And it, it really became like a home base for me where I kind of grew up and learned a lot about DJing and and the whole thing. Were you, I mean,
0: to, to make your own song, was it one of those situations or do you remember like, were you kind of sliding it in to the mix of other songs that people knew or were familiar with? It's kind of like, I, I, I attribute to like, an artist that's doing a bunch of covers at like a bar or something, and then they'll like kind of sneak in there. Their, their yeah. own song is. Were you kind of trying to test yeah, them that I, way, or like yeah, how are you I, doing that? I
1: think lucky, yeah, for sure. And I think lucky for me, it kind of like I kind of ended up sort of learning. I've always been a pretty quick learner, so I ended up learning, you know, fairly quickly to the point where, like, I was ready to start kind of releasing tracks. I think it was really only about like kind of six months and there's this guy named John Aquaviva um, who ended up kind of being a mentor for me. And we had brought him to play at Habitat. He was one of the, he's a kind of big in the business side of electronic music. So he, he was actually one of the founders of Beatport and some other big, some other big business, electronic business type things. Like they actually, the technology that's used by Tractor, um, like time code technology, they actually, it was actually founded by, company called final scratch and john was one of the founders of final scratch as well so they sold that technology to tractor and serato and obviously did really well so he was a good person to know and he was at the time he was running a label called definitive and it was pretty prominent sort of house tech house label at that time and so i ended up sort of doing my first release on his label and sort of being able to get like a little bit of momentum um pretty quickly but you, know, you always, you kind of always keep learning. I think the thing that's funny when I think back to those times is that you really had no idea what you're doing kind of, um, right. you know, music production wise or anything. And, you know, I think that's the cool thing about this is that you can always, you know, keep learning. You should, you know, even now for me, I'm just always watching tutorials, always trying to learn and learn and learn. So, um, you know, you, you look back to that point, you know, when I've released my very first track, which I think, you know, that was about like 10 years ago at this point, And, you know, you sort of see how far it's come and how much it's all changed, but yeah,
0: yeah. with getting you know uh, at least on this new album in, in your past records too. I mean, you have quite a few people that you you know collaborate with or features that will sing on the records, right? Yeah. Are those yeah. do you come up with the whole song and then you know try to seek out somebody to sing the top line? Like, how does that work in your process?
1: Yeah, typically, I mean, everybody's different. Um, you know, typically for me. I basically just do you know little ideas maybe they're like a minute or two minutes long you know little ideas and if i think it might be something be a good fit to have a singer then you know we kind of start sending them out to a few people you know that we are kind of interested in and if if they like it then you know the singer will sort of sing um you know do do you know a couple minutes the main part of of the vocals and then send it back to me and then I'll basically build sort of the rest of the track around it. I think usually when you do tracks with vocals, they end up being, if not one of the, one of the key sort of elements of the track, if not the key element of the track. So I end up building it kind of back building the rest of the track back around it. And, you know, sometimes it ends up changing a bit. It's almost like remixing your own track in a sense. Um, you know, you get, yeah, you get the vocals back. And once you've heard the full vocals, you know, you might decide there's some things that need to change or go in a little bit of a different direction. So, you know, then I'll do that. And then once you sort of have close to a full track, you know, you sort of let, if the vocalist wants to make, you know, other changes and add other things or, you know, background vocals and atmospheres, effects and those things kind of fill it out and finish it. But yeah, it's usually, it usually starts with a little idea and then kind of bounces back and forth for a while.
0: Yeah, so it's a really collaborative process, and yeah, because like, sometimes I, I, this world is like the most unfamiliar for me as far as like songwriting and music goes. Yeah. like I, yeah. I love the genre, it, but it, when it comes to just creating the whole piece and then putting it out, yeah. like yeah, just I, everyone I think has a different process. So I would, I was always curious to see how, you know, it sounds like it's very collaborative. It's not yeah. like okay, yeah. you're gonna sing the part over the song and be like, here you go. Can you just do this yeah. and then yeah. send it back yeah. to you?
1: I yeah, like that for though. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the nice thing too, is when in the rare time, like I had a track on an album called, called follow me. Um, and we actually did that in person, you know, in London when I was over there for a show like in the UK and yeah, definitely there's a, there's another level of, of, you know, magic, I think that comes when you actually get to just be in a room together and working on it, you know? And so, you know, more and more going forward, I think we're going to try, like I'm going to do this in May, just basically block off three or four days and sit, do sessions with about, you know, eight to 10 vocalists, just because I think when you actually get to sit down, you know, in person and, and sort of give the feedback to each other and all that kind of thing, it, you know, it, it works out even just that much better. I think so. Oh, wow. So that song
0: you're talking about is the most recent one. I think you've released a single. Yeah. Right? Follow yeah. Me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I want to, I want to get into the new album for sure. I just, have, uh, just real quick on the, you know, the other part of the process. I mean, in electronic music and i feel like a lot of people i've interviewed in this space like a lot of it will start on like maybe putting the songs up on sound clutter like you know kind of building an online uh like relationship with other artists and it's like even pre-pandemic like sending songs back and forth it that was already kind of a thing in this world i feel like a bit more than yeah you know in a standard band setting or whatever uh was that were you was this session with follow me the first one that you had worked in in person with someone or you had you done um, that before because i mean you've been putting music out since
1: I yeah mean, 10
0: years right yeah, yeah. So, i mean
1: i've done yeah i mean i've done obviously other collabs that were that weren't necessarily vocal collabs where you you know kind of you're sitting in person but i think it was one of the first times i think for sure where like you know properly sitting with a vocalist um in the studio It was. It was cool. It was actually, it was actually part of a they call them songwriters camp. So and Juni Deep, the label that I like, work with, they were saying to us, like, hey, we're doing, you know, we're gonna do this songwriters camp. Um, and for two days, you know, do you want to be a part of it? And I I was actually like, I don't know anything. I didn't really know what that was, like sort of mm-hmm. what was the point of like doing a songwriter's camp. But yes, yeah, so we had two sessions, we had a morning and um afternoon, and they were sort of pairing us with different artists and vocalists um but yeah so it worked out really well and it was a really cool experience and you know obviously this track ended up um this track ended up coming out of it so um, wow. you know obviously it was really worthwhile and you know what's funny it was a really cool studio situation there's about you know five or six studio rooms and you know funny thing is uh, actually on that on that afternoon session you know there's a little kitchen and kind of um area where people could kind of lobby kind of area. People could hang out and Skrillex was actually there just hanging out. No way. Um, and I mean, the funny thing is now is it's, he was obviously working on these albums that he's just released. So it was kind of cool. He was standing there eating a salad, just kind of talking to everyone and, you know, saying, Oh, he's working on all this new music and whatever. And yeah, obviously it ha- so happens that he must've been working on all these two albums that he's just released.
0: <laughs> Damn. That's wild. How that's yeah. how, how wild to be, at the same studio at a you know as a writing camp with yeah. him of all people. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Um well prior to this writing camp, um, were you and when you collaborate with people, how are you reaching out to different singers? Was it via like SoundCloud or just hearing people yeah. online or uh, yeah, I think just that?
1: like, yeah, for sure. Just all you know, all those things. I think you just kind of hear. Vocalist and other, you know, they've done another track and you really like it. So you end up just kind of reaching out and say, you know, Hey, like love what you did on, on this one. And, um, you know, yeah, we'll would would love to, would yeah, exactly. would love to work together. Um, you know, it's the same with other artists and stuff too, like other DJs and people, you know, like out playing their music a lot or whatever. And then it just kind of ends up naturally to so say, Oh, Hey, well, you know, what's the long we tried is working on something together type of thing, you know? So, yeah, for sure. So the
0: record or the album is called Universal Language. Um, And we were talking about Follow Me, the new one. But was that the only song that came out of that writing camp? Or like, tell me about the rest of the album. When did you start working on the album?
1: Yeah, yeah. So Follow Me was the only one that came out of the writing camp. Um, You know, it actually came together pretty quickly. Like, it started as a concept. You know, I wanted it to be an album, but to go together as a DJ mix. So, you know, it's coming out as a full mix that goes together like one hour and you know the tracks are really intentionally made to flow and work together as a dj mix it's kind of a lost thing now you know it used to be more common um you know before it's a little bit more old school but you know these kind of mix albums but um you know i think especially like coming out of the pandemic everybody uh, is really you know sort of back to just partying and having fun and going to clubs again so definitely wanted to do something that was really like club oriented and live, you know, show live DJ show oriented. Um, so yeah. And, you know, luckily engine deep was super supportive about the idea, the concept. And you know, I started basically be like in the summer last year, I kind of had one, I think it was about July. I had one or two tracks that I felt like could be some of the key ones. And then started doing the rest, building kind of the rest around it. And, you know, it was done in about November last year. So it mostly, you know, came together pretty quickly once I sort of had the core kind of anchor ones and, you know, helped give me kind of a sound and direction for the rest of it. Yeah, because
0: then I love that it goes in, like it kind of flows through like a whole, like a, as a whole DJ. So if you put the record on, yeah, it's going to go all the way through and seamlessly move from one yeah. song to the next. Which yeah. is a like an art I feel like isn't really there as yeah. much anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um so when you have a few songs and it's like, Okay, I gotta build the rest of it, but then you kinda have to know where to place those three songs where it can kind of all Yeah. You can you can go through. Was that a difficult task at all? Yeah, it can't,
1: it... it's kind of, I found it like challenging in like a good, in a nice way and kind of a fresh way where, yeah, you sort of start to say like, it's it's a different way of making music. You start to say, okay, you know, I need something that sort of fits this like peak time spot for the mix. Or I need something that sort of fits more as it's winding down at the end or whatever, you know? And so just kind of make music for a really specific time and place. It's kind of cool because that's, you know, it's different. Typically you're just, you know, kind of sit down and you go and you're not thinking too much about that, you know, as it develops more of the track, you might sort of think, okay, this sort of fits playing in a peak time situation or it's fits wherever, but you don't usually start, you just start with that mentality. So it was, it was, yeah, it was kind of cool and, and different to start thinking about making music for specific time place.
0: Yeah. It's like more an in- You're you have to be pretty intentional about what this song or sound yeah. is going to yeah. do to yeah, fit it sure. within the two places. I think that's cool. Yeah. It's almost like you have a puzzle and you have to kind of put it all together to make yeah. the full picture. That's awesome. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's a cool way to
1: put it. Actually, I never yeah. thought about that puzzle. Well, instead yeah. of
0: just going in and being like, okay, I have 15 songs. These are the ones yeah. I want to be on the album. Now let me yeah. sit here for X amount of time to figure out where one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever yeah. land. It's like, you yeah. know where these songs are going to be and kind of yeah. filling it in. That's yeah, That's yeah. a really cool concept. Yeah, 100%. And you got a huge tour coming up. Are you planning on just like with an hour or however long the album is time that yeah. runs seamlessly? Is that something
1: you'll, you'll play the whole album? Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm actually partly, you know, some about, we, we decided to do the concept to be a little bit different than a typical like album tour because it was really club oriented. I wanted actually some of this tour to be, kind of happening before the full albums actually come out so you okay. know i want people to actually come and hear it in like a club setting which is you know that's where it's that's what it's made for you know everything kind of about it the whole you know, production and everything it's it's made to be sort of heard on a big loud you know a loud sound system in a club setting or in a you know live or a festival or whatever but you know it's it's definitely made it's not that you can't listen to it at home on spotify of course or anything like that but you know, everything about it's kind of made for that club setting. So, you know, I wanted people to hear I'm about halfway through. I'm about halfway through the tour right now. So I got about two more sh- months of shows every single weekend. Um, yeah, you got a lot. Yeah. But I, I think like in, you know, I'm not I'm not just playing the album sort of straight, straight through as one hour. You know, I'm definitely playing basically all the tracks in there as a DJ mix, but, you know, I'm typically playing like, two three sometimes four hours on some of these shows so you know i'm i'm having them kind of you know the tracks interspersed kind of in there um throughout you know when i'm playing and stuff and you know i'm being more of a dj like i I do play lots of my own tracks but i definitely play some you know other people as well so it's yeah it's a big mix and i like playing a big range of music too so if it's a four-hour thing you kind of go through a a pretty big range of, of music
0: yeah that's awesome um and then especially being able to kind of mix in other other records throughout the you kind of it's almost like in the in the in real time you have to kind of feel the crowd out as well not only yeah. like are you testing yeah. some songs that people haven't heard playing your own originals, but then it's like, okay,
1: where should I slide this?
0: Yeah, you're almost programming the the. Yeah, one
1: hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's it's definitely like DJing, and that's the thing is I'm not like a lot of these tour spots. You know, depending on where it is, like what I'm playing can be can be pretty different. You know, like a lot of the a lot of the North American like smaller cities, for example, they the Anjuna fans they come from above and beyond. They come from like a trance background, and they they like that kind of thing. So you know, I might tailor it little bit towards them but then for example i was playing in like argentina in february and they they love groove you know and they love um you know kind of dancing and different vibes so you know you kind of end up tailoring it a little bit more towards that you know every kind of every city sort of has their different kind of thing and now i've DJed enough you start to get kind of a connection and a vibe with you know with all the different cities and kind of what they're about
0: Yeah, I bet that's hard because it's not like a band situation where you know you're going to come in and people are going to show up and you're going to play the set that you play on the whole tour. It's like you have to cater your set list and what you're doing to if you're in Atlanta versus Chicago versus, you know, wherever else. Like, yeah, yeah, you have to kind of understand and that what comes from just uh repetition and time in these markets
1: yeah yeah for sure and i think it's just it's experience you know as a dj and stuff i like typically for me i kind of connect since you know especially with this album too there's a bit of an old school vibe to it and um you know i I, like it's like sort of some vintage some classic things done in a new way at least that's kind of the goal but you know for that reason i typically especially like north america i i tend to connect better you know, with the cities that have a bit more of that club sort of culture and history, like New York, right, is a a perfect example, a lot of club heritage and culture there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the people, even, you know, younger people that are getting into it, they're sort of thrown into this, like club culture already, and they sort of get, you know, they learn about it more quickly than like other places, you know, so typically, for me, those type of ones I, I connect to a little bit more, but yeah, it, it's just an experience thing and going and, you know, being in these cities multiple times and you sort of start to get, yeah, you sort of develop a bond and kind of a connection with the city and, and the crowd and what their vibe is like. But that's what, that's what DJing, really the art of DJing is all about is, is, you know, just being able to read, read people, read the situation and understanding and being able to kind of tailor it and move and go in different directions.
0: Yeah. I love it, man. Well, I appreciate your time, Simon. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: Yeah. No problem at all. No problem. Thanks
0: for having me. Yeah. I have one more quick question before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists.
1: Yeah, it's a good, yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think like, you know, the cliche kind of statements are, you know, do your own thing and, you know, you know, find your own sound and like, but you know, I think there is like definitely truth to that I think like I'm you know I use myself as an example where I have so many different influences not just even electronic music you know I loved rock music growing up and I loved hip-hop and you know playing basketball hip-hop and is really tied you know basketball and hip-hop culture really closely tied so I grew up listening to all that stuff I think you know you you take your in take those influences all the different things that you like and, and when you put all those together you know you end up Having something that's you know different and unique than what everyone else is doing, and you know I think and that's okay, and that's something you got to go for and, and keep pushing through. Rather than it, it's really easy to you know kind of copy what other people are are doing and all the thing that's currently popular you know at the moment in electronic music. You know there's there's a lot of people that copy those things, but I think if you sort of take all the things that you're into and, and put it together and you know work on it, you develop a sound that's unique, you know, with your with your kind of characteristic to it you know that that always ends up going a lot further and, and being way more genuine for you know fans and listeners than if you're just jumping around and trying to copy you know whatever is popular at the moment type of a thing